But anyway, so here we go. So, uh, so Genesis, it's kind of cool. Genesis to Revelation, beginning to all the way out in the future, you know. Oh, it's so funny to hear that movie. I was telling you about it. Janet, you told me, John the Revelator, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I mean, why did they keep, why do they keep talking about that? Because this is going to happen, you know. And it, that song, the lyrics were, it's got, it says, who wrote the book of the seven seals, you know. The seven seals. Yeah, it was who did it? John the Revelator. Who did it? John the Revelator. <laughs> who wrote the book of the seven seals? That's a funny book. Well, why are they putting it front and center? Anyway, so here we go. Uh, uh, the book of Genesis, wow, in six chapters you have a flood. And 14 years had already transpired. So how do you know that? 1400, you can add up the dates. The dates are there. In chapter 5, you got all these dates, Adam and Seth, and uh, anyway, on down the line. Methuselah, that's why we got, who lived the longest? Everybody knows Methuselah. And they also know Enoch was taken by God. Where you get in the fifth chapter? And he was 300 years old. God took him, you know, whatever. He disappeared. Anyway, uh, you follow all this down, of course, and when you get to Exodus, that's where Moses shows up. Now, what I think is so cool about Moses is when you read the story and stuff, remember, he was called Moses by his, his new stepmom, which meant to draw out because she found him in that water. Remember that? So the word Moses, draw out, okay. Uh, yeah, it happened. Okay. Anyway, we're going to get to Mordecai and Esther here, but let's follow with the history how we got to that. So when you get to Exodus, they're on the way to the promised land. They, they were in that slavery and they got out. Now they're on their way. And all this time takes place right here. Actually, uh, Deuteronomy is a recap. It's a, it's a speech, not a recap. It's a speech. They're at the promised land fixing to go in. And Moses can't go in, even though he says, Lord, let me go in. The Lord says, nope, you ain't going in. <laughs> so 40 years had transpired between uh, getting out of Egypt and getting to the promised land. Joshua took them in the promised land. And in 10 years' time, they had wiped everything out except for it was all theirs. But they were blessed the whole time. In Judges, at the end of Joshua, which is about 50-year time span, all of Joshua, they were in the, And Moses even said, you're not going to be there long. You're not going to be in the promised land very long. You're going to lose it. Why? Because they would worship other gods. I mean, boy, I mean, thank God in the Bible that we... we we hear about idols and stuff. We hear about it. We're like, what? You know, that's, but thank God we've taught, been taught. And, of course, I reference some of these funny movies. I say, they, they keep talking about Jesus. You know? Praise the Lord. So, which is good instead of like, well, I like the alternative things. I like to look at uh, tarot cards and, you know, and the uh, astrology. And, you know, and I dabble in the, the cult. Ah, oh, please. That's what ruined these guys. Uh, anyway, so... In the book of Judges, they lost it all. And that's where Samson and Deliah come in. Uh, Gideon, remember him? And then uh, some others, Jephthah, you know. Uh, um, anyway, and they were all running for cover. But anyway, Ruth is a little small book, and it's just a history book. During the same time, she knew all Israel fell completely apart. She was in the land of Moab, and she came back saying, well, maybe the Lord will bless me if I come back. And she did, because remember, remember who she's going to be? She's going to be grandmother to David. Wow. Okay, anyway. Then it gets you to 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel, that's where we're going to find out Israel finally starts beating back the Canaanites and uh, getting the promised land back again. And David shows up. Saul first, then David. 
And anyway, so First and Second Samuel is all about David. That's the reason all throughout the rest of the Bible, David, 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 David. Total history about that guy. Okay. Then First and Second Kings. Notice it's plural. So it's all the kings. There's about 22, 23 of them. And then we'll say, what happened to them? <laughs> they were worshiping idols. These kind of mirror each other. First and Second Kings is uh, it's chronicles. They chronicled the information. Actually, First Chronicles chronicles the age. Uh, it chronicles the people, and it says Adam was first. Okay, so it actually starts back all the way back to that. But anyway, so then at the end of all these kings, what do you mean at the end? Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, burning fiery furnace, Daniel and Lions, they were totally wiped out and hauled off. God told them that was going to happen. The guys that were telling the story were Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They were the ones that were telling the story saying, you guys are going to get hauled off. So when you read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it says right at the start. Ezekiel was actually a priest. Jeremiah was a son of a priest. How do you know that? Look at verse 1 of each book. It tells you. Okay, anyway. And it also tells you what they were doing at the time. So it, it all fits. So the history is right here. So what happened was they're hauled off to, uh, to Babylon, basically where uh, Saddam Hussein is in Iran. That's the reason that uh, uh, the tomb of Mordecai and Esther. So look, here's where we go. So all of a sudden you get to Ezra. What happens in Ezra? The very first of Ezra, he tells you, that the Lord sent them back to Jerusalem. They were only kicked out of their country for 70 years. Jeremiah had said so. Second Kings, the last chapter, said that it was going to be 70 years. And anyway, and Nehemiah, Ezra came back, and they, Ezra, the story about Ezra was they built the walls around, the, actually they rebuilt the temple, okay? And then when Nehemiah, he was just a governor, like governor of Alabama, you know, K. Ivy. He came back, and he got to build the walls around the whole city. Anyway, all of a sudden, you have this Esther right here. Well, watch. This is what happened right there with Esther. During that time, they were all trying to come back. And here we go. Notice it's just 10 chapters. Very, very short. So look at this. In the third year of the reign of King Ahasuerus, emperor of the vast media Persians. Remember, that sounds familiar. Like you read in the book of Daniel, you know. Yeah, because Daniel's talking about the... he's. They, his parents were killed. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're working with Nebuchadnezzar. They are now the prime ministers with the king of, of uh, Babylon. And then there was Cyrus and all this. And then, anyway, so that's, this is the time frame. Oh, and it's 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. Okay, this was the year of the great celebration of the Shushan Palace to which the emperor invited all his governors, aides, army officers, bringing them from every part of Media Persia for the occasion. The celebration lasted, okay. Uh, see, now what's interesting, is, so what's so cool about our Bible? Remember, it's not a spiritual book. We get spiritual things out of it, okay. But it's history, which is so great because that means, God, this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say in the news yesterday, why did they burn the tomb of Esther and Mordecai? These two people we're going to see here. That's an uncle and a niece. Okay. The celebration lasted six months. A tremendous display of wealth and glory of his empire. Now, this guy was a real guy. Ahasuerus. We can look him up outside the Bible. Okay. When it was all over, the king gave a special party for the palace servants and officials, janitors, cabinets, officials alike, for seven days of revelry held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The decorations were, look at the details, green, white, blue, fastened with purple ribbons, tied to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Okay, 
uh, gold and silver benches stood on the pavement, uh, black, red, and white, and yellow marble. I remember I couldn't get out of my head the other day. I was singing silver and gold, silver and gold, Burl Ives, you know, on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I went back, and this is so cool about, like I say, how the Lord just takes care of us. So how does Rudolph take care of you? Oh, just listen a second. Oh, the, I, I didn't know what the lyrics were. All I remembered was silver and gold. So anyway, the lyrics, I went back. Look, it says, uh, oh, means so much more when I see silver and gold decorations on every Christmas tree. I mean, it just kind of just gets your heart, you know, praise the Lord. Okay, Christmas tree? Yeah, okay, here we go. So all this beautiful stuff was going on. Uh, gold, silver benches stood along the pavements of black, red. And now remember, this is all after Solomon. Solomon's done been gone. Jewish, the Jewish country's gone. Taken over by this bunch here. Here we go. It says, drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs. There was abundance of royal wine. The king was feeling very generous. Do you see how the historian was writing this? Yeah. The only restriction of the drinking was that one should not be compelled to take more than he wanted, but those who wished could have as much as they pleased. Yeah, see, the Bible wants us to drink. Well, see, it's not, it's not about that, see. This was history. That's got nothing to do... Uh, this is certainly not the Lord, but anyway. But the Lord drank as well. Go back and read for yourself. Talk about John the Baptist. He says they called John the Baptist demon-possessed. And, and Jesus said, I drink my wine and eat my food, and you call me a drunkard and a glutton. Anyway. Remember, he said, I'll not drink the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you. So he'd been, he'd been drinking. So that just ruins my narrative. Don't let it ruin your narrative. Just add to what you know about Jesus, okay? Instead of being so rigid and thinking that, oh my God. So here we go. Those who wish could have as much as they please. For the king had instructed his officers to let everyone decide the matter for himself. Yeah, good deal. Sounds intelligent, doesn't it? But remember, this is history. This is not about drinking. Now, Queen Vashti, who's that? Gave a party for the women at the palace. Okay, that was the king Ahasuerus, his wife. Okay. On the final day when the king was feeling high, half drunk from wine, he told the seven eunuchs who were his personal aides, this is Mehuman, whatever, B-H-B-A-Z-C, whatever, to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown upon her head, so all on her head, so that all the men could gaze upon her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the emperor's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. Whoa. Whoa. She wasn't coming. Well, naturally, the king's furious. But he consulted with his lawyers, for he did nothing without their advice. They were men of wisdom who know the temper of the times as well as Persian law. So again, here we are. This is the time of the Persians. And the king trusted their judgment. These men were, look at the names. We got all their names. These are Karshina, Shethar, Admarthar, Tarshish, okay, whatever. Seven high officials of Media and Persian. They were his personal friends as well as being the chief officers of the government. Okay. What shall we do about this situation? He asked them. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders uh, properly sent through his age? Well, this guy named Memucan, what'd he say? Uh, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but every official and citizen in your empire. For women everywhere are now going to begin to disobey their parents, I mean, disobey their husbands when they learn what Queen Vashti's done. From this day, now I'm going to stop here just a moment. Where are we going with this? It's history. Watch what happens. Watch how your daily problems are totally resolved all the time. Before the day was out, the wife of every one of us officials throughout your empire will hear what the queen did and will start talking to us 
husbands the same way and there'll be contempt and anger throughout your realm. Well, what do you suggest? No, we suggest you subject your, uh, subject your, to your agreement, you issue a royal edict of the law of the Medes and Pers that can never be changed, that Queen Vashti be forever banished. Ooh, God, trip cord right there, wasn't it? Let her be banished from your presence and you choose another queen more worthy than she. For the decree is published throughout your kingdom. Husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will be respected by their wives. Well, the king and all his aides thought this made sense. So they followed Mamukin's counsel and they sent letters to everybody in all the languages stressing that every man should rule his home and assert authority. Right. See, I told you, that Bible's good. Man, you husbands are king over your family. Oh, no, that's not the story. Notice chapter 2. This is to help us navigate. So you don't read this 10 years from now. But... After King Ahasuerus' anger cooled, you know, it could have been the next day, probably was, he started feeling, oh, I'm missing that woman, you know. He began brooding over the loss of Vashti, realizing that he would never see her again. Okay. So his aides, they caught wind of this. Oh, the boy's in love. We've got to fix this. Let's go out and find the most beautiful girls in the empire and bring them. Now, remember, empire, what's going on? Well, Israel's lost. They've been scattered all out through the world. Okay. You're going to see the hand of the Lord here, helping out Israel, helping out you and I. Well, let's go find the most beautiful girls in the empire and bring them to the king for his pleasure. We will appoint agents in each province to select young lovelies for the royal harem. Hegei, the eunuch in charge, will see that they're given beauty treatments. And after that, the girl who pleases you most shall be the queen instead of, you can't see it, but it's Vashti. Oh, man, I mean, the king says, hey, that's good. I like that out there. Well, this suggestion naturally pleased the king very much, and he put the plan into immediate effect. Now, there was a certain Jew. Here we go. They set fire to this guy's and uh, oh, Mordecai's tomb yesterday. And his niece, there she is. A landmark in the world. Well, you'd have never known. They would never bother to have that tomb if this didn't happen. Well, he's the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. One of those 12 disciples. Matter of fact, you probably remember who his mother is. Let's see, it was Leah and Rachel. Well, Rachel only had two. Joseph, coat of many colors, and there's his brother, Benjamin. Anyway, he was the son of, son of, son of, son of Mordecai. Now we know where he's from. Do you know Paul in the Bible? Paul, the apostle Paul? Boom. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. Anyway, he had been captured when Jerusalem was destroyed by, there it is, Nebuchadnezzar, and was exiled to Babylon along with King Jeconiah. He was the last of the kings and many others. This man had a beautiful and lovely young cousin. Okay, she was a cousin, not the niece. Okay. Hadassah, also called Esther. There you go. Whose father and mother, yep, got killed. Whom he adopted into his family and raised as his own daughter. So now as a result of the king's decree, Esther was brought to the king's harem at Shushan's palace, a young, along with many of the other young girls. So now Mordecai, he's really connected here because now his, he was taking care of his cousin, but he treats her as his daughter. Now Haggai, remember, he's the king's harem guy, head harem, hairdo fella. He was responsible for the harem, was very much impressed with her, who? Esther. And did his best to make her happy. It's like, how do you find that mirror? How do you find your purse? Even when you lose it. I remember as a kid, you know, I'd be, I can't find my toy. My mom and dad would help me find it or whatever. They'd be like, oh. They'd know where I was needed to look. Look under your bed. Oh. 
Anyway, he ordered a special menu for her. Grief <laughs> favored her. Do you see you here in this? Now, you remember speed ahead here. Uh, there's a bad guy that's going to try to have him taken out. And, when, and she already found out. <gasps> hey, listen, if Mordecai is a Jew, you can forget it. I don't care what you try to do against him. You ain't going to beat him. <laughs> that's a great scripture. Praise God. Anyway, here we go. Ah, gave her seven girls from the palace as her maids. Good grief. Gave her the most luxurious apartment in the harem. Hallelujah. And and remember, they're they're not even in their kingdom anymore. Now, I remember Mr. Jeremiah, and he got in hot water for this. But we in the Bible Belt, we use the verse, and we have no idea where it's from. Remember this verse? I'll quote part of it for you. I have a plan and a future for you. To do you good. We hear that all the time. We have no idea. It was the letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles as they were being hauled off with no clothes on. Slaves. They lost their kingdom. They lost the promised land. And Jeremiah says, hey, when you get there, I want you to have fun. You know, I want you to raise your families. I want you to prosper and everything. For God has a plan and a future. And I'm only... Matter of fact, the high priest got mad at Jeremiah for saying that. We have it stuck on our walls in our houses. It's what is it, Jeremiah 33, something? I have a plan in the future. Well, look at this. <laughs> a plan in the future. Look what he's doing. And he wasn't just doing it to, uh, to Esther. Mordecai, as you know, is going to wind up being, Richard, I can guess. Yeah, prime minister over all of the Medes and the Persians. Anyway, Esther hadn't told anyone that she was a Jew. For Mordecai, I said, don't do it. Don't tell anybody you're a Jew. What did that mean? Well, that meant because they were getting some bad treatment. Yeah. He came daily to the court of the harem to ask about Esther and find out how, what was happening to her. The instructions concerning the girls that uh, before, excuse me, the instructions concerning these girls, chapter 2, verse 12, were that before being taken to the king's bed, each would be given six months of beauty treatments with all myrrh followed by six months of special perfumes and ointments. Says, oh my God, Rich, I can't read this. So I don't believe in this stuff. This is history. You don't have to believe in any of it. It's history. Just read the history. Okay. Then as each girl's turn came t- for spending the night, I'm not letting my daughter read this. You need to let all your kids read this. Okay. King Ahasuerus, so when she came to spend the night, she was given her choice of clothing or jewelry. Wow. Hey, wear what you want. Okay. Uh, here we go. To enhance her beauty, she was taken to the king's apartment in the evening. The next morning, she returned, to the, she returned to the second harem where the king's wives lived. Okay. She was under the care of Shashagag, whatever, another of the king's eunuchs, and lived there the rest of her life, never seeing the king again unless he especially enjoyed her or called for her by name. Now, as you know, she needs to go see the king again in a minute, and she's on dangerous grounds to just come walking. Remember, the other queen said, I'm not doing what my husband says, and she got kicked out. When Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem, dressing according to his instructions. Hey, I think he likes purple better, you know, pink, and all this whatever. All the girls exclaimed with delight when they saw her. So Esther was taken to the palace of the king in, oh, please, just these dates and times. What's that tomb over there in Iran? Why'd they talk about it yesterday? The seventh year of his reign. Well, the king loved Esther more than any other girls. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head. My goodness. Declared her queen instead of Vashti. Hey, that's like being prime minister. That's like coat of many colors, isn't it? 
To celebrate the occasion, he threw another big party for his officials and his servants. Here we go. He was happy about this, wasn't he? Giving generous gifts and making grants to the provinces in the form of remission of taxes. Hey, good deal. Later, the king demanded a second uh, round of beautiful girls. By that time, look at that. Mordecai had become a government official. Gee. Esther hadn't told anyone she was Jew yet. She was still following Mordecai's orders just as she was in his home. One day Mordecai was on duty at the palace. One of the king's eunuchs, Big Than and Tara, who were guards at the palace, became angry at the king and plotted to assassinate him. Look at this. Morde- That's the reason. Sometimes you just forget these things. I watch movies over and over again and I'm going, I cannot even remember what's fixing to happen. You just forget it. That's the way it is with the Bible. You want to always read the Bible. Okay. Mordecai, he heard about these two clowns trying to kill the king. He passed the information to Queen Esther. That's the wife who told the king, crediting Mordecai with the information. After an investigation made, the two men found guilty and impaled alive. This was all duly recorded. Look at that. In the Bozo book. Nobody kept records. Please. Gosh. We, you know, as Americans, we think because we have airplanes and cars and stuff like that, that nobody had any knowledge until that happened, you know. You ever watch some real old movies? Did you notice they come up? I've watched one the other day. John Wayne came up, and he was actually, uh, I found this out. I didn't know this. I, 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 I'll, I'll let us go home. We'll go in a minute. I don't mean to ramble, but I didn't know this. Did you know Napoleon lived in Alabama? He got kicked out of France. I'm not kidding. He's kicked out of France. He went to Dothan, and from Dothan, he ported at Dothan and went up north. I learned that in a John Wayne movie. But what's so funny was there's a big old giant plantation, okay? Now, Napoleon didn't stay here long. He went back to France, but he got kicked out because he lost some battle or whatever for a while. But anyway, you know, the buildings are gorgeous buildings, but their only transportation is dad burn horse, <laughs> you know? But the buildings are buildings. It's beautiful architecture just because they didn't have a, you know, cars and trains and whatever. All right, here we go. So anyway, this was all duly recorded in the book of the history of King Ahasuer, uh reign. Look, we're already at chapter 3. We're just going to get to uh, a little piece of the good part and we'll, and we'll slow up. Soon afterward. See how you couldn't, you can't just leave these things. Soon afterward. Right after that happened. Right after these two guys that were going to kill him, he killed them. Soon afterward, King Ahasuerus appointed Haman. Remember, he's going to be a bad guy. He appointed Hamath, the son of Hamadathite, the Agite, as prime minister. He was the most powerful official in the empire next to the king himself. Now remember, he's going he's gonna to take out some anger against Mordecai, but he hates the Jews. Anyway, now all the king's officials bowed before him in deep reverence whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but Mordecai refused to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow either. Remember how that turned out. They didn't get burned. In this. Anyway, Mordecai is not going to bow. Why are you disobeying the king's orders? Others demanded day after day, but he still refused. Finally, they spoke to Haman about it to see whether Mordecai could get away with it because he being a Jew, which was the excuse he had given. Haman was furious. Now, he's not the king. He's just second to the king. But he decided not to lay hands on Mordecai alone, but to move against all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, and destroy them throughout the whole kingdom. Oh, now we know what's going on. Boy, this has got Satan all over it. He wants all Jews everywhere killed. 
Do you see how the Lord worked this out? He got, he got, he got Mordecai there. He got Esther there, and she's gorgeous. Okay. The most propitious time for this occasion was determined by the throwing of dice. Now that's important because at the end of this book, the Jews have on their calendar a certain date, and it's it's called we'll just call it woo woo whatever, and it's it, that means the throwing of dice because they selected a time when they were going to execute all of the Jews. It's on their calendar. It's just a one-day event, but we got so many one-day events in America, we follow it. Oh, oh, today's National Frog Day. Okay, great. Okay. The most propitious time was determined by throwing a dice. This was done in April of the 12th year of the reign of Ahasuerus. Now this boy's been there 12 years, hasn't he? Okay. Uh, and in February of the following year was the date indicated. Haman approached the king about the matter. Oh, and remember now, he's the bad guy going to the king. There's a certain race of people scattered throughout the provinces of your kingdom. Now, why are they scattered? Nebuchadnezzar, they were worshiping cows. and I mean, remember, they, they, they actually put up a cow and said, this brought us out of Egypt. This saved us from Pharaoh. God was furious about that. Okay. Anyway, their laws are different from those of any other nation, and they refuse to obey the king's laws. Therefore, it's not in the king's interest to let them live. Good grief. Hey, if it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I'll pay $20 million in the royal treasury for the expenses involved in this purge. The king agreed. Now you know why Esther's in the Bible, right? This is a fantastic story. Well, the king agreed. He confirmed the decision by removing his ring. Remember, signed his name there? His finger, giving it to Haman, telling him, hey, look what he said. Hey, keep the money. Go ahead and do as you please with these people, whatever you think's best. Two or three days later, Haman called the king's secretaries, dictated letters to them, governors, officials throughout the empire. He, in other words, he sent all this stuff out. They sent these by messengers. I mean, this, this couldn't go instantly. It took a while. And they uh, sent messengers out decreeing to the Jew, that the Jews, young, old men, women, children, all be killed. Look at that. On leap year. Well, the last day of February. It'd be the 29th for leap year. 28th day of February. On the following year, and their property given to those who killed him. Good grief. Copy this edict, the letter stated, must be proclaimed as a law in every province and made known to all your people so that they'll be ready to do their duty on the appointed date. The edict was sent out by the king's speediest couriers and after being proclaimed in the city of Shushan, the king and, his, and Haman sat down and they started drinking. Well, may as well. That's what they were going to do. The whole city fell in confusion. Why? Had to be a lot of Jews there, see? Here we go. When Mordecai learned what had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went out in the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He stood outside the gate of the palace, for no one was permitted to enter when he had those kind of clothes on. And uh, throughout all the province, there was great mourning among the Jews, fasting, weeping, despair at the king's decree. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Boy, I tell you what, they're toast. When Esther's maids and the eunuchs came and told her, in other words, she, her uncle, whatever, her cousin, when she heard about it, What'd she do? Well, she heard about him crying. She sent clothes to him to replace the sackcloth, but he refused it. Esther sent for Hathat, one of the king's eunuchs, who had appointed as her attendant, told him to go out uh, to Mordecai and find out what the trouble was and why he was acting that way. Hathat went out into the city square. He found Mordecai outside the gates. He heard the whole story from him. 20 million haymen promised to have everybody killed. Okay, Mordecai gave a copy Gave Hatheth a copy of the king's decree, dooming all Jews, said, hey, show this to Esther and tell her what's happening. And that look at that, that she should go to the king and plead for her people. 
So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Esther had told Hathak to go back to say to Mordecai. Okay, you know, there's an intermediate guy here. All the world knows that, look, this is Esther talking. Everybody knows, man or woman, who goes to the king's inner court without his summons is doomed to die unless he holds out the golden scepter. And the, so you see what her praise report's going to be. She's like, oh, God, I just bought a new dress. I got a beautiful apartment. Everything's going great. And now everything's falling apart. Not when you got Jesus. Isn't that true? And he says, and on top of that, I kind of lost my pizzazz because the king hadn't called me to come in more than a month. Well, he'd been calling her, but lately, remember that new batch of girls? He'd probably been a little busy. So anyway, he gave Esther's message back to her uncle. Okay, the cousin. Mordecai's reply was this. Do you think you're going to escape in the palace when all the other Jews are killed? If you keep quiet at a time like this, look, look at this phrase. God's going to deliver the Jews from some other source. Boy, he even knew we're going to get out of this. But look what he says. But you and your relatives will die. What's more can you say but that God has brought you into the palace for such a time as this? There's that famous Christian scripture. Such a time as this. Then Esther said to Mordecai, look what she said, go get everybody together. Basically, she said, everybody pray. Gosh, y'all pray. Get all the Jews of Shushan, that's the town they lived in, to fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, day or night. And I and my maids, we're going to do the same thing. Then what's she going to do? Look what she says. And then, though strictly forbidden, I'll go see the king. Look at that. If I perish, I perish. She was going, by golly, I'm going in there. Well, Mordecai did as she told him. Here we go. Boom. Three days later. Here we go. She decked herself out. She entered that court just beyond the royal hall of the palace where the king was sitting upon his throne. Now, remember what, what, what's behind what she's doing? Isn't she what we were talking about earlier? What do we do with our lives? Do you love one another? Not just for herself, but she said, I'm going to do this for everybody. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her, holding out the golden scepter. Praise God. So Esther approached and touched his tip. Then the king says, what do you wish? Look what he says. What's your request? I'll give it to you even if it's half the kingdom. Praise God. Well, you know what she does here. She's going to ask. Uh, I'll tell you in a couple of days. But uh, if it please your majesty, I want you and there's that bad guy. Hey, man, to come to a banquet I prepared for you today. Okay, well, the king turned to his age, tell Haman to hurry. So the king and Haman came to Esther's banquet. During the wine course, the king said to Esther, now, hey, tell me what you want, baby. I'll give it to you, even half the kingdom. Wow. Esther says, well, my deacon says, let's have dinner the next night. That's what she says. If your majesty loves me, wants to grant my request, that you come again to Haman tomorrow to a banquet I'll prepare for you. Tomorrow I'll explain uh, what this is to you. Oh boy, look at this. What a happy man Haman was when he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai standing there, boy, I mean, the Lord had set all this up. Look at this. Ah, and he wasn't standing up or trembling before him. He was furious. However, he restrained himself. He went home, gathered to his friends and Zeresh, his wife. Do you see how this is history? Where we got all these details? And he boasted to them about his wealth, his children, and promotions the king had given him and how he'd become the greatest man in the kingdom next to the king himself. Then he delivered his punchline, yes, and Esther the queen's invited only me and the king uh, himself to the banquet she's prepared for us. And tomorrow we're invited again. But yet he's aggravated. Mordecai just gets right in my underwear. Look at this. 
Look at this. All this is nothing when I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there in front of the king's gate, refusing to bow. Remember, he's already had this guy ordered to be executed, the whole country, full of Jews. Well, suggested his wife, hey, get a 75-foot high gallows. And in the morning, ask the king to let you hang Mordecai on it. This will be done, and you can go on your merry way uh, uh, with the king to the banquet. Boy, this pleased Haman immensely, and he ordered the gallows. No, we need to stop, but I think we're, we're done right here in the next step. Look at this. The gallows were built right then, but look what happens. You're never going to be defeated. Look at this. That night. See, there's no way you could read this 10 years from now. That night, the king couldn't go to sleep. He decided to read a while. You know the Lord's behind this. He ordered the historical records of his kingdom from the library. And then he came across the item telling how Mordecai had exposed the plot of those two clowns, Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's units, watch, watchmen of the palace gates who plotted to assassinate him. Hey, what reward did we ever give to Mordecai for this? The king said, now remember, they're building gallows for him to have him hung. Well, the court guy said, hey, boss, nothing. Hey, who's on duty out, to, out in the outer court? The king inquired. Now, it happened that Haman just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai. Oh, my gosh. Look at the impeccable timing. Uh, Haman's out there. Hey, bring him in. So Haman came into the king and said to him, What shall I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? <laughs> Haman thought, He's talking about me. Mm -mm. Whom would he want to honor more than me? So, boy, Haman steps in it. Well, you ought to bring out the BMW. You ought to get the cruise liner out. Bring out the royal robes the king himself uh, has worn and the king's own horse and a royal crown and instruct one of the king's most noble princesses to robe the man and lead him through the streets the king, on the king's own horse, shouting before him, this is the way the king honors those who truly please him, blah, blah, blah. Look at this punchline. Excellent, the king said to Haman. Hurry, take these robes and my horse. Do just what you said to Mordecai the Jew. Oh, this just killed Haman. Well, actually, it's going to. Shoo. Who works uh, at the chancellery. Uh, follow every detail you suggested. So Haman took the robes, put him on Mordecai, mounted him on the king's own steed, and led him through the streets and city. Oh, uh, you know, his heart wasn't in it. This is the way the king honors those he delights in. Now look. There, <coughs> Afterward, Mordecai returned home, but Haman hurried home utterly humiliated. Look at this verse. When Haman told his wife and all his friends what happened, they said, if Mordecai is a Jew, you will never succeed in your plans against him. Now, what would that do with you drinking coffee in the morning? To Look at that. To continue to oppose him will be fatal. While they were discussing the situation, the king's messengers arrived to conduct Haman quickly to the banquet they had prepared. How could you stop? So the king, here we go. The king and Haman, they came to Esther's. This is day two, remember? Again, during the wine course, hey, baby, come on, tell me what you want. What's your petition? Queen Esther, what do you want? Whatever it is, I'll give it to you. Half of the kingdom. Here's the famous history right here. At last, Queen Esther said, if I've won your favor, <laughs> duh, of course, baby. Oh, king, and if it please your majesty, look at this, save my life and the life of my people. For I and my people have been sold to those who will destroy us. We are doomed to destruction and slaughter. You know, the king's going, what? 
If it were only to be sold as slaves, perhaps I could remain quiet, even though even there would be incalculable damage to the king and no amount of money could begin to recover. What are you talking about? Oh my God. You can imagine, hey man, he just, his heart quit beating right here. Who would dare touch you? Look at that. Esther replied, this wicked Haman is our enemy. Then Haman, look at that. He grew pale with fright before the king and queen. The king jumped up and went out into the palace garden as Haman stood up to plead for his life for, the, for Queen Esther. He knew he was doomed. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining just as the king returned. <laughs> he returned in the palace garden. Look what the king says. Will he even rape the queen right in the palace before my very eyes? The king roared. Instantly, the death veil was placed over Haman. I, we're stopping right here. Watch this. Then Harbona of the king's age said, Sir, <laughs> you know, he's, everybody's got a bright idea. They didn't like old Haman either. Uh, Haman just ordered a 75-foot gallows constructed to hang Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Oh, my gosh. It stands at Haman's courtyard. Look what he says. Hang Haman on it, the king ordered. So they did, and the king's wrath was pacified. Now, the rest of these chapters, well, we, we got to seven. It only goes to ten. The rest of it is, remember, you've got to announce to the whole world and stop that campaign of everybody being killed, and that's what happens next. But anyway, Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you. If we're not feeling good, our bodies, if we're something wrong, you'll fix that. Praise the Lord. You're God. You've taken care of everything else for us. You'll take care of that. Same thing's true financially. And Lord, if we're faced with some problem, but what if it's something like this? You'll fix that. We don't even have to know what's going on. You'll just do it for us. And Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others about the great things you've done in our lives as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, all right. Hallelujah.